0: Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Wednesday, December 7th, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. Got a nice run going here, see if I can just do shows every day for the rest of my life. (laughs) Not even joking, that's what I strive to do ultimately love doing these shows as many times as possible, but you know, life happens and I have to feed myself and take care of my dog. I'm kind of being facetious, but this is so very important to me in every possible moment that just everything that's happening around what you're doing, what we're doing, what the community is doing. It's just, is everything that I do today. It just really is very, very, very important. And lately I've felt more of an urge to keep it going I believe this is the, what, fourth show in a row, sixth within, so you know, just more than we usually do. So trying to keep that up. Well, we have, today will probably be a little bit shorter than usual. I just have a few topics I wanted to get into. I was going to get into some more Twitter stuff and some foreign policy, and I decided to, the foreign policy is still very important, but I'm going to get into that in a more in-depth show. Twitter, I just kicked off the show today, just because I just don't think it's, I'm just tired of going through the same old, uh, the same argument over and over. It's, it's very unimportant as it stands right now. When things are proven, maybe we'll talk about it again. At this point, I don't feel like this. I feel like we're all being played with what's happening. Barry Weiss now involved in the whole nonsense. And, you know, I don't even want to get into it. There's so much going on there that does not seem important with what we're going to talk about today. So I want to start off with an interesting conversation in regard to a new study that is finding, which was the main part of the title today, a net harm. From the specifically termed the the booster mandates are will expected to lead to a net harm. And then they break it down by statistics, by numbers, by expected side effects and harm that needs to be that need that essentially you need this many injections to to, I guess, stop one hospitalization. Now, we've heard that argument before. This gets into what we now know, though, that these vaccinations also come along with lots of terrible side effects. You can't hide from this anymore. They used to just pretend that it was either, you know, you got sick from COVID or you didn't. And if it didn't, then you win. It's all a good shot. No, there's all sorts of things happening around the side of this conversation they don't want you looking at. This is a British medical journal, peer-reviewed large study very clearly finding these things are harming people. And it should even be that hard of a thing to wrap your mind around today with how many people that were once on the side of this thing have now come over to say, you're all being fooled. I didn't see it. Now I do. It's hurting everybody. High, high, highly regarded, highly credentialed cardiologists, scientists, doctors, experts, everywhere around the world, entire ministries of health, entire countries going, you know what? We're not going to do this anymore. People saying, I wouldn't even take this as a representative of their health ministry. It's mind-blowing how obvious this is. We're going to start with that. We're going to show you a couple of additional points that go along with the strep conversation we just had, an interesting study or a couple of them that seem to suggest or outright state that these intranasal flu, I feel weird calling them an injection or a jab or a vaccine because it's a spray, but regardless, that those have a direct connection to causing strep. Interesting how that keeps popping up, right? The thing that we see turns out to be potentially caused by the thing they're giving to treat something else. What do you know? Sort of sounds like the entire big pharma market strategy, doesn't it? Oh, you're taking our big pharma drug? Well, it causes these side effects. Well, don't worry. We've got drugs for those too. (laughs) Now, whether that's intentional or not, it's for you to decide. We're also going to talk about the blood discussion again, which got us censored like in 30 seconds on the last show, even though all the information we're we're addressing is provable, backed up by peer-reviewed science. As I say that, yes, I'm glad I wanted to grab this again real quick. I forgot to include the German study for that discussion today, just for people that want to continue on that information. But another another point in this conversation that's really going to upset you about what just happened with the New Zealand family. And we're going to talk about lymphocytopenia, something we've discussed many times based on originally on the study and outline done by Swiss policy research as these COVID injections relate to cancer. Or really just dysregulation of your immune system, which is what that regard which, what it means. But we're gonna get into how we keep seeing this applied the other way, which in what I mean is essentially that we're finding things these vaccines are causing. Then it turn then it comes out with a corporate media conversation about COVID-19 is causing that, as if there's only one of those possible, first of all, and acting like your story's false. Except we're ignoring the fact that if that's even the truth, which that's a big question. It's almost a a, a no brainer that the thing that also has the same spike protein causing that problem over here would cause it over there. And then it produces a lot more of them over here. So it's more likely that it would cause a bigger problem over here. We're talking about the vaccine. But what's interesting is it doesn't even seem to be the case that COVID is causing many of these things rather that they're in, it failing to include in the study whether or not people have a vaccine in them when they do these studies. And all they do is go, did you ever have COVID? Well, there you go. There's your correlation. So you had COVID. Therefore, these things are related to COVID. There's a whole big elephant in the room in that conversation and all these studies. And they don't want to point that out. And this in this case, we're talking about whether SARS-CoV-2 or the injections are causing your immune system to collapse. And we know that is happening. It's been proven by a lot of different studies. But I'm going to point out and highlight the corporate media conversation that simply goes COVID is causing this. And that's what's happening today. Nothing else. And it's just willful blindness, willful ignorance. So let's start with the actually start with the study that we showed many times just to begin the conversation before we get into the other British Medical Journal study. Now, this one is the one that came out on November eighth. Now, by the way, what what I made a note on the other day, some of these studies that end up in the preprints just kind of linger in non-peer-reviewed land forever, (laughs) which makes no sense. There's the process supposed to be done, but I just find that to be very, very telling. Now, usually once these preprints are are actually then peer reviewed, they'll include a red link or something below here that says, it's now on X, Y, and Z, New England Journal of Medicine, whatever. I'm just pointing out that that's something that does happen in this field, and it doesn't. there's no way that should be happening. That means people are just failing to do their jobs because they don't want to be the one that either b- ignores real things or allows studies to come out that to say the thing they're not supposed to say that's basically the best way to put that but this is the one that came out november 8th on a preprint which is still where it is and it's just the one you've seen already it's about the the bivalent injections and how those specifically and i'll read the sentence again the rate of adverse reactions for the second booster that's the fourth shot in the context of a two-shot series being the first part So the bivalent is what we're talking about, to be clear. Reactions for the second booster dose was significantly higher. Significantly higher among participants receiving the bivalent specifically, which was 84.6%. (laughs) 84.6%. Crazy. Now, yes, that does include the small things, but it also includes all of the other big things. Now, the real just general point is that they fared worse, and that's compared to the monovalent one, which was only 51%. That's gi- that's a gigantic increase. That's not a good thing. And then it also includes more medications as needed, more hospital visits. I mean, it's just, in every possible angle, it's bad. It's worse, but the best way to put it. I do think it's bad, but it's worse than before. And that's, then, of course, they love to stand on the idea, but, but it was great before. Therefore, it's just not as great now. No, that's not the reality. It was hurting people before. It's hurting them even more now. And that's what we really need to, to show people. Now, this brings us to the study for today. This is brand new from British Medical Journal. This uh it's entitled COVID-19 vaccine and this was this is published this month, December 2022. COVID-19 vaccine boosters for young adults: a risk benefit assessment and ethical analysis of mandate policies at universities. So this is specifically about universities and mandates for the boosters, but this applies to mandates for these boosters anywhere you look at it. I mean, the study does have a specific age range, but the point is we know these things are happening in every possible realm. So when they find that these things are harmful all the way around in the specific age group, in the specific realm of discussion, which is the universities and their mandates for these boosters, there is a part of this that can easily be applied to any other group we're looking at. But then you, of course, take into consideration that those numbers will likely be different based on different risks and different age groups and so on. These things always play a factor. But this, in conjunction with everything else we've talked about so far in this whole illusion, even with just what we're going to talk about today, should stop all of this right now. But that could have been said in 2020, for crying out loud, technically, I guess, 2021, when they were really being given. The point is, we saw this so early. Here's what it says. In 2022, students at North American universities with third dose COVID-19 vaccine mandates Which is just amazing that's even still happening. And it is right now. There are still mandates right now. Understand, specifically even in the military, Biden and the White House are pushing back on stopping the mandate right now. As I understand, the last thing I saw was sort of that it's going to continue forward anyway. But the White House, Biden's administration is kind of saying it's a bad idea, but not necessarily saying they're not going to. I don't know how. We'll see how it goes forward. The point is, as we know it doesn't stop transmission, they've been forced to engage with that, as even they've accidentally or maybe on purpose said that the pandemic is over. And we know that children, or excuse me, this is in the military part of this, we know that they're under the guise of giving them the approved version, told them they had to, which we know they're not getting that. They're getting emergency authorized version. And yet he still stands up and says, we should keep it. You mean the illegal mandate that we all know was violating the rule? Like, it's amazing that they just can't stop towing the line. But back to the point, the third dose COVID-19 vaccine mandates risk disenrollment if unvaccinated, which, by the way, is crazy because what they're saying is not unvaccinated, but just not got you haven't gotten the third dose. So suddenly you become an anti vaxx or unvaccinated maniac when you don't take the third version of the first. It's just mind blowing. But we know that's this, what has been happening. Students will be disenrolled from college that they paid for. And who only knows if they're going to get a reimbursement. That's I've been censored and removed from things where I haven't gotten reimbursements, not college necessarily. But I have seen cases of that already happening. But they'll be kicked out if they don't do what they're told. To assess the appropriateness of booster mandates in this age group, we combine empirical risk-benefit assessment and ethical analysis. Actually, before we go further... Just so you guys can see it. I mean, for the podcast, really, but as always, you should always do this. This is specifically uh this is a large study, it is peer-reviewed, British Medical Journal, but you can see people like Vinjay Prasad on here, who is not necessarily somebody who has been, you know, anti-vaxxer in the minds of the corporate media conversation, right? Now, lately, especially around the booster, he's been pushing back quite a bit. But I mean, I argue that most of the I, he's been somebody who's been. You know I argue being relatively objective most of this time I disagree with some of the things he said early on still now but he's, I, let's put him comparing with him with somebody like Dog MD <laughs> he's quite a bit he is light years ahead of but either way there's a lot of people in this that are not somebody you just disregard Marty McCcarry Tracy Beth hogg these are these are highly regarded people regardless of how they're perceived by the corporate media but all of them are highly credentialed doctors with expertise and they have the right to do this and write on it and so on. Then it goes through peer review process, which means they have acknowledged this is sound. Whatever the editorial team decides to do tomorrow. Now, it says to prevent, this is the important part, to prevent one, one COVID-19 hospitalization over an entire six-month period. They estimate that 31,207 to 42,836 young adults aged 18 to 29 have to receive a third mRNA vaccine. I haven't even gotten into what we know goes along with that, and they do write it. But just for those of you that know that, for, so potentially up to 42, almost 43,000 young kids have to get an injection they don't need in an age range where we know the risk is like, I think it was 0.03 something percent infection fatality rate. Just to stop a single hospitalization. That's not even death, mind you. Just hospitalization in an entire six-month period. I mean, that's just grotesque. I don't even know how we can pretend that that means success or anything positive. But now let's get into what that also goes along with. But you know this, 42,000 chances for myocarditis, for Bell's palsy, for blood clots, heart attacks, on and on and on and on. Booster mandates in young adults. Oh, and by the way, 42,000 people that have a dysregulated immune system, potentially, or rather just an issue with fighting off that we we've, we've seen examples of the vaccine induced acquired immune I mean, all the different problems that are happening in regard to your immune system lymphocytopenia being one we're going to focus on today so that means all these people going forward could a year from now two days from now 10 years from now have some kind of an issue that is caused because their immune system has been hurt then those things get called something else then they use those things to pro- project the next biosecurity this is how it's working whether they realize that or not i do feel at some level this is intentional Booster mandates in young adults are expected to cause a net harm. That's where I quoted right there, a net harm. That's a big statement, meaning there's no positive swing to this. When you do the math, you break it down based on their estimations and what we understand. It is overall harmful to do this, and yet they're still doing it. Per COVID-19 hospitalization prevented. We anticipate at least 18.5 serious adverse events from mRNA injections, including 1.5 to 4.6 booster-associated myopericarditis cases in males, 18.5 serious adverse events. Those are death, hospitalization, or permanent disability, serious adverse events, 18.5 for one hospitalization stopped. So basically, you could argue you're causing 18.5 potential hospitalizations to stop one hospitalization, if that's even what's happening, because you understand those 18.5s could be hospitalizations, deaths, any number of things that are in those categories. So how does that even possibly make sense? That's a net negative, either way you look at it. Then it says also 1.5 to 4.6 booster associated myopericarditis cases, which those in and of themselves, even non fulminant cases, increase the risk of mortality by 25 to 56% over the next 10 years. There's no ne- casual myocarditis problem. They just, they, I mean, it's amazing that that even ha- is it a, it's amazing we're even at a point where people in positions of authority, whether doctors or just politicians are willing to argue that something we know was life-threatening at any level, right before this, is suddenly now eh, no big deal. Kids get myocarditis; it, kids have heart attacks. No big deal. The kind of stuff that's been normalized during this process is absolutely sickening. Then it goes on to say we are we also anticipate one thousand four hundred and thirty to four thousand six hundred and twenty-six cases of grade three or higher re, uh, reactogenicity interfering with daily activities, although typically not requiring hospitalization, typically, which means there's some more right there, hospitalizations to some degree. Now, this these are the things that, you know, they're lower, it's the grade three or lower, things that interfere with daily activity. So, I mean, that could mean bedridden, that could mean d- debilitating headaches, or it could just mean something that, you know, just mild stuff that keeps you off your feet. Either way, that's a hell of a lot. On top of the 18.5 serious adverse events and the 1.5 to 4.6 booster associated myocarditis issues. Then it says university booster mandates are unethical, right? So, based on this very clear net negative, you are hurting more people than you're helping. They're claiming, they're saying, in their opinion, university booster mandates are unethical because they, number one, are not based on an updated Omicron era stratified risk benefit assessment for this age group, which means. All they did was glean information from this first thing they tried to adapt, which was B1, under the argument that we had to get that done before the variants changed. But by the time they got it done, we were already three variants down the line. So all I did was go, yeah, use it anyway. We'll just pretend this works, makes sense, eight mice and so on, and just do this. But then once they started getting it going, you know, seven, eight percent of people got it. Oh no, BQ four, eight, nine, whatever new variant we're talking about today. But take it anyway, though. There's just such an obvious hole there. If you were, I mean, people were not even buying the B1 kind of moving over data idea where, ah, well, it it relates and trust us, we know, even though we didn't test for safety on humans, but just trust us though. Then it changes again and we just kind of shift to the next thing. I mean, this is as stupid as taking the original injection based on alpha, delta, blah, 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 down the line and pretending like it still made sense. These things are hurting people because of that exact point, antibody-dependent enhancement and all the things we've talked about. Then you add on all of this because these shots are the things causing this, not because of something happened before or something that happened after, you know, autoimmunity or so on, but because the shots are just doing that. They're causing these things in some people. They're doing it anyway. Number one. Oh, number two, excuse me. So not based on... New information, which you've heard me scream about the entire time, or anybody honest for that matter. Number two, may result in a net harm to healthy young adults. Number three, are not proportionate. Expected harms are not outweighed by public health benefits given modest and transient effectiveness of vaccine against transmission. This is no, I, How can anybody even pushing back on this stuff? Number four, violate the reciproc- reciproc- reciprocity, geez, I can't even say that. Here, reciprocity. Reciprocity. There we go. Reciprocity principle. Because serious vaccine-related harms are not reliably compensated due to gaps in vaccine injury schemes. It's funny. The word "schemes" it seems like it, I always hear that. It, 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 to me, it sounds like a you know a scheme is a dishonest thing. So maybe that's intent. But the point is, what they're pointing at is the the way that these are supposed to work. You know, I got injured by this. Help me, you're lying, you're a conspiracy theorist, anti-vaxxer, vaccine hesitancy. It's not working by design. And the same thing's happening in the UK and Canada and everywhere else. Number five, may result in wider social harms. We consider counter-arguments, including efforts to increase safety on campus, which by the way, hinges on the idea these things are helping in the first place, but it says these are fraught with limitations and little scientific support. Of course, of course. Which, by the way, here, this just since I just this just came to mind, we're talking about the, the uh, vaccine harms, not reliably the, the, the injury program, right? I just played this video yesterday, but I want to play it again just because it's, it's pretty powerful. This is from Australia, and this is what he's saying, that he is overwhelmed for 15 months with people telling him that their lives have been destroyed, and everybody in the room just wants to sit back and say, safe and effective, you're crazy.
1: And of course, Senator, uh, uh, sorry, uh, Brendan Murphy, the chief health officer, Claims that there's nothing to worry about. He never read the document. And then we've got Professor Kelly. Of course, he came out and made the bold statement that it stops transmission. Well, he was lying because the FDA came out in December 20 and said that there was no evidence that the vaccine stopped transmission. And when I pressed him on it, there's no trials to show that there's any IgA in the mucosal system. Okay? You don't have to take my word for it. Go and speak to Robert Clancy. Australia's foremost immunologist and vaccinologist, okay? He's retired, you can trust this guy. He's not on the take from big pharma or the big universities that aren't actually interested in research, they're just interested in lining their own pockets. And then, of course, we've got the vaccine injury scheme, which is just a joke. And today and last night and day after day for the last 15 months, I get contacted by people who have had their lives destroyed by this vaccine a vaccine that the government said was safe and effective. And if that isn't bad enough that these people, and I'm looking at you people in this chamber here today, didn't read the documents that took over someone else's body because it suited your narrative, your command and control narrative, you showed no humanity, no humanity. There are people out there that have not only injured, they have lost their jobs and they cannot get medical support to help them. There are husbands and wives of injured couples who've had to quit their jobs to stay home and look after those people who are are being injured are an incredible amount
0: of pain. Yep. Just absolutely shocking. So here is just one more on top of everything else example, a gigantic study peer reviewed pointing out that these are net harm. Now, yes, we're talking about boosters and mandates, but it's the same point. Just, in, it just, we're at the booster stage, right? So it's the same point from before. Now, yes, these are compounding. I argue that you said so if you got three or four and you're getting a fifth or three and you're getting a fourth, it's ab- absolutely far worse. So the problems are going to be continuing, but the same point from before, the same mandate that forces you to get shot one. The risk is the same. We are still seeing these kind of adverse events. And remember, shot one and the first 21 days is the highest spike of the problem. So just because we're focusing now on this, this is the important part to be fighting because right now they're forcing this in the arms of people that don't need it at this exact juncture. But that first shot for those out there who haven't gotten it, you damn well better not be tricked into getting that first one because that is the worst, most problematic moment. The the, the, the the spike, the vast majority of cases, hospitalizations and deaths are happening within the first 21 days following that first shot. And that is what they call unvaccinated everywhere you look. It's just an obvious scam. And here we are forcing this on children that literally verifiably don't need it. 0.0003% under 19. That's the risk they have of dying. 0.0003% according to the Ionitis team for people under 19. I mean, for crying out loud, the Oxford risk calculator has put it at one in a million risk for people under 19 the entire time. How do we ever pretend that means they're in danger? This is staggering. Now, we just talked about this on yesterday's show. Flu is back and apparently causing myocarditis. Now, what we did talk about is based on the literature, and we, that, you should question that like everything else, consider it as well, that it does appear that there has been discussion of how flu can could lead to myocarditis. But the, or, the oldest thing I can find is like 2020. That's not to say there's not older stuff, but that's what I found. So the point is at 2020 they were acting like this is kind of a new thing and there wasn't much research on it. So obviously there hasn't been some long saw long flu myocarditis association. It weirdly came up right around the time when that became something we were looking at for other reasons. Pretty interesting. Either way, you could argue that there is possible ways that that could happen. Inflammation and so on. But that's all they really do is associate it with the inflammation and the overlap. Meanwhile, you can find a whole bunch of studies that are showing flu vaccine-associated myocarditis, but yet nobody wants to talk about that. Very interesting. But then we also know that there's something else out there causing myocarditis all over the place that has that they're calling whatever they want, and that would be vaccine side effects. Now, this this girl that just died from what they say was the flu, even though it appears she was admitted for myocarditis, had multiple heart surgeries, was diagnosed with myocarditis, and then had a stroke, and yet still call it all flu. That seems wildly out of care, out of character. But either way you look at it, it's obvious that there's something being conflated. We also talked about UK revealing vax kids are much more likely to die than unvax kids. But in this show, we talked about something very interesting. We talked about strep throat, specifically strep Streptococcus A, and how that is surging, apparently all around. When apparently there's been nine deaths. Now again, right there, we whether or not those are People that were told they died of strep. I mean, same kind of game. Because guess what the test is for strep? It's PCR. I just talked about it yesterday. It's in the show I just referenced right here. So could that not be played in the same game? Sure. Of course it could. Do I know that for sure? No. But if we're not asking the question, we're willfully lying to ourselves. We're guaranteeing we'll be lied to. The interesting part is today I found this and this Bev Turner was the first place I saw this, but apparently it's being shared around. And I, what I love is people doing this going, oh, they've got their misinformation orders. Why? Because multiple people are pointing it out. Did you even read the article? Clearly, this guy didn't. Otherwise, he would have seen that there's a no question to what the scientific study is showing you, which is that this exact live attenuated influenza vaccine enhances strep, uh, strepidococcus. I mean, it, it, I'll show you right now. So it's interesting that this is misinformation, even though they're posting peer-reviewed science and asking a question, she said simply, is anyone looking into the coincidental timing of the Strep A infections and the nasal flu vaccine in kids? Because this study below suggests a link. Now, this is my point about before. Like, I actually was just had a great conversation with uh, Mark Stevie, Steves, Steves, I believe, as I pronounce it, uh, from My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. I just enjoyed the conversation. And we were just talking about this, and I made this point many times. Right now, they are actually, if you can believe it, framing objectivity as extremism, or just in this case, objectivity as—I don't know—I don't know, I don't even know how, what you it depends on what partisan perspective you have. But you come up and just go, "Shouldn't we question this?" And they go, "What are you suggesting?" X, this, and that, and they think that no, I just asked a question, but you get attacked. Because people perceive that as you undermining what they've already decided is the truth, but somewhere in there they know that they don't know that for sure. (laughs) A la Twitter files, right? That's happening everywhere. But this is what happened here. Same thing. So, why haven't we seen any significant increase in several years? We've been using nasal spray flus for today. Now, it's not a fair question, but when he's directing in a hurry, he's implying that she's not asking these, I guess. Putting out a tweet like that only served to create anxiety where there are many, where there may be no reason at all. Ironic thing is you argued the same thing was done with COVID. She just literally replies, I literally asked if anyone was looking into it. How is that bad? Why is your response about me? How is that debate? Parents have been victimized by efforts to create anxiety over COVID for nearly three years. We bloody well deserve answers and in fully informed consent. Bottom line is to simply say, is anybody looking into this timing? Here's a peer reviewed study that shows a connection. And your response is to go, you're making people scared. That's willful ignorance. At the very least, you're not trusting the science. Isn't that the whole thing? I mean, it's just mind blowing the kind of responses we get. And we see this everywhere. And some of this could be bot kind of stuff. But I do believe people are being trained and have been for a long time to just trust what they're being told is the truth by people they see as authority. The same game. I've been saying this the whole time during COVID about the CDC. About the government that the CDC says, and and intelligent people have been trying to think that they're supposed to just listen to what they're told because that's, isn't that what intelligent people do? The same thing's happening right now to average people all over the place with Twitter files. I was going to talk about it today. There was an example of a a girl coming out saying, breaking story and and just says it on Twitter. And then people, somebody goes, you have a source? Everybody in the chat, what do you source? What do you want from them? Oh, what do you think? It's mind blowing to see that you get attacked for asking for a source. The point is, and she's not implying that she knows it's false, but it'd be pretty stupid to assume that that text on a tweet is true without seeing anything but the text on a tweet. But this is what we're seeing everywhere. I'm just hoping my audience is very attuned to this because we should not be subjective in our work. Because it gives people a reason to dismiss what we're doing. But let's look into the facts and realize how these people are absolutely ridiculous for not acknowledging how clear this is. Now, this goes back to February 4th, 2014. Now, just to be clear, just like what Bev said, I'm not arguing that we know this is everything or even anything. We're simply pointing out it could be, and, and then blo- m- mind-blowingly realizing that nobody's even allowed to have this conversation, which tends to make people think that that proves something. It could, but that's not also, that's in the same, re- in reverse, it's the same problem. Live attenuated influenza vaccine enhances colonialization of Streptococcus pneumoniae, which is interesting, is that like a plural, and, and, and the staphylococcus aureus in mice. Now, there's some overlap to this in a few different ways, but they're very different right? Staphylococcus is more in your skin, outside your body. Streptococcus is predominantly in your mouth, but these things, they, they do kind of overlap in different ways. But remember, remember, we talked about staphylococcus and streptococcus all the way back with our earliest mask conversation and bacterial pneumonia. And now specifically, we're talking about candida auris can cause strep and a lot of other things, bacterial pneumonia, if it's allowed to fester and create and grow. And the mask is a perfect little vector for that. I mean, this is undeniable. Anybody out there is acting like that doesn't make sense. I mean, this is basic science when you're talking about the things that can help and grow bacteria, moisture, heat, time, sensitivity, I mean, all these things in the mask. It's a perfect little thing that creates the growth of these things. Either way, well, then on top of that, the mask dries your mouth out, which then allows those things which typically stay in your saliva to be pulled back into your lungs. That's how you create bacteria pneumonia in this case. The point here is that this is something we've seen in many different ways associated with a lot of this in the whole COVID-19 discussion. This is in particular about the influenza vaccine. And the next one we're going to talk about is specifically the nasal one, which is the biggest association with what we're talking about today. But it says live attenuated influenza vaccines or LAIVs. It says we find that LAIVs vaccines reverses normal bacterial clearance from the the nose and significantly from the nasal, the nasopharynx is what it says and and significantly increases bacterial carriage densities of the clinically important bacterial pathogens Streptococcus pneumoniae and staphylococcus aureus within the upper respiratory tract of mice vaccination with laiv also resulted in two to five fold increases in and mean durations of bacterial carriage carriage We show that the increase in carriage density and duration were nearly identical in all aspects to changes in bacterial colonizing dynamics following infection with wild type influenza virus or WT. Importantly, the live attenuated vaccines, unlike wild type influenza viruses, had no effect on severe bacterial disease or mortality within the lower respiratory tract. I mean, so benign or the point is that this has negative effects and doesn't seem to have the positive our findings are, to the best of our knowledge, the first to demonstrate that vaccination with a live attenuated viral vaccine can directly modulate colonizing dynamics of important and unrelated human bacterial pathogens, like we're talking about today, and doses and does so in a manner highly analogous to that scene following wild type virus infection. Great. So you're taking an injection that basically ends up conducting like you get sick with other things, just like the actual wild type can create in your body or can at the very least. But one and, and what we're talking about, just so we're clear, it says using a mouse adapted live attenuated vaccine against influenza virus carrying the same mutations as the human flu mist vaccine right? That's the, that's what we're talking about. So it's this is what they're testing. And this is what we're, so basically that flu mist vaccine can cause an increase in the, in the bacterial issues that create staph and strep. That's a 2014, a 2015 study. Thank you to both of these people for posting this, Bev Turner. And then this one is, com, a 2015 study on adults intranasally receiving flu mist live attenuated vaccine found, quote, significant changes in microbial community structure, diversity and core taxonomy membership, as well as increases in the relative abundances of staphylococcus and bacteroid genera then goes on to point out, it suggested, quote, activation of a type one interferon mediated antiviral response may foster the disproportionate emergence of potentially pathogenic species, such as streptococ- streptococcus aureus, exactly what we're talking about. Now, the point is in, in both of these, the same idea, the administration of specifically intranasal live attenuated influenza vaccine, which is what we, they just get, this is what we were seeing before this all started today. That's the general point. In regard to the argument of a strep issue, induces changes in the nasal microbiota and nasal epithelium gene uh, expression profiles. Now it says, we found that the live attenuated influenza vaccination led to significant changes in the micro, microbial community structure. It's what we just read to you, I'm just showing you where it is. Now here is the other one. Live attenuated influenza vaccine enhances colonialization of specifically Streptococcus and Staphylococcus aureus. It's the same point, right? The, what we're finding is that these things are actually creating the situation where exactly these things thrive. Now, to be objective, does that mean that's what's happening today? I can't prove that. But ask yourself why we can't ask the question. Why isn't somebody else going, wait a minute, we just gave this exact thing to kids before pushing this, in fact, and then this all, thing, this all happens. Okay, Well, should it not be should it not be regarded as potentially part of why this happened? Well, no, it's the same thing as saying RSV outbreak. But wait a minute. You guys put in your own studies that these covid injections increase the risk of RSV, even if it's a minor amount. So therefore, you can at least argue that some of this is vaccine. No fake news. I mean, we need to start recognizing that almost every single thing that we point at seems to have some overlap with the things they're giving you for the treatment. That's ridiculous. <laughs> and possibly the entire picture, this self-fulfilling prophecy that we live in the you know the biosecurity state discussion. So just that's the addition to what we watched yesterday or talked about. So if you want more on that, look into this and watch this show, look at the source material, which is all down here. What's interesting though is that there's an overlap. Nobody wants to talk about it though. Now additionally, what we talked about yesterday is the was the saliva test which I thought was very weird. The f- world first, even though it doesn't seem to actually be the world's first, I've, I pointed out like four different studies going back years with this exact same discussion. But apparently as usual today, world first breaking news saliva test to predict the chance of developing diseases. So what they want actually is your DNA and they're going to give you just like the 23 and concept, but disease focused your potential risks of diseases of only a few of them though. I don't know why we keep just handing over our DNA to these people I don't know. These are exactly the same people, but just, you know, in, in this, this is going to go into a government database, which will be used or rather the scientific database, which is accessed by the government. And the point is that these things will be used. They're actively trying to get your bio information. They even put out an open call for you to submit it to them for the kind of bioeconomy direction that they're talking about. And yet we don't notice this. Now, here's why I wanted to talk about this also, because this was from today or rather posted on Wittgenstein today, single blood test can diagnose heart attacks. Look at that. Give me your DNA over here. Give me your DNA over there. And we'll let you know if you're at risk. Well, is it even because the blood? I mean, Are they going to tell you why? Well, no, it's just, you're going to have a heart attack based on your blood sample. Well, the vaccine is what is causing this in a lot of people. We're not even going to ask these questions. That's not the point. The point is DNA. All over the place. All these different reasons. And they're using the things they're causing, in my opinion, to get more access. (laughs) Isn't that interesting? Anyway, same point or same kind of point coming from another show. I wanted to follow up on this one. This one is going to upset a lot of you because this is, I, I really, there's few things that I have this kind of an emotional response to. And I just, it really, really upset me when I saw this just because of what these parents must be going through. Now, we talked about the mRNA transferring from Vax to unVax. Now, this was using peer-reviewed science as well as Dr. Peter is lecturing and discussions on this about how it is clearly translating from the breast milk and potentially saliva and blood and so on. And I, I just I posit the possibility that it could be coming from shedding as well. Either way, the other one was marketed changes in Vax blood. Now, just to start with this, since we talked about this in that show, remember, this was the summary uh, the pl- summary of prelim- preliminary findings from a working group on vaccines in Germany. And now what this is, what this found was, let me see if I can grab it again real quick. Determined. I thought that's what it was. Oh, yeah, it is right here. Perfect. So you please read this for yourself, actually, because this is, oh, there it is. The whole thing is pretty profound, but the main point of it was, as we read on the show, they've established that COVID-19 vaccines consistently contain, in addition to contaminants, substances, the purpose of which we are unable to determine. Some of these ingredients uncovered by us have not even been listed as ingredients by the vaccine manufacturers using, and all their data is in you, you can look at this for yourself, using a small sample of live blood blood analyses from both vaccinated and unvaccinated individuals, we have determined. that artificial intelligence can distinguish with 100% reliability between the blood of the vaccinated and the unvaccinated. Now, there's lots of science that backs this up. We can prove that there are spike proteins circulating in the blood of the vaccinated that continue to be populated. We can prove that mRNA is in every part of their body. There's been multiple autopsies now of vaccinated people where they find mRNA in all of their organs. I mean, you just can't pretend that's not there. So the point is, we know this. Now, I I was going to include, since I forgot it last time, the uh let's see it was red cross i think here we go this is the red cross's own post we don't label blood products as containing vaccinated or unvaccinated blood you know why because they say as of september 13 2022 vaccine does not enter the bloodstream see this is what it looks like to either lie blatantly to people or be so uninformed that you're towing a line from 2020 A line that's been roundly proven to be false that even they admit is now false. But here is the Red Cross just saying it anyway and proving to you that they're mixing or rather not caring whether it mixes of different of the blood. Now, look, you could take this back to an HIV conversation or anything else. There's been times where blood banks and things like this have been contaminated for at at times when they then pretended it wasn't and later shown to be. Why we can't realize it's happening again is beyond me with all the peer reviewed science that backs this up. And then we've got people like this pointing out, yes, we can tell the difference. And it goes on to say, this indicates that COVID-19 vaccines can affect long-term changes in the composition of the blood of the person vaccinated without that person being aware of the changes. It's crazy. They found marketed changes was their direct quote from the study. Now, the point was, to to, to bring it to today, we just talked about this as well. And you can watch the video for yourself. It's heartbreaking. This is a family in New Zealand that that basically is... Their 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 child needs a surgery. They found out that the hospital does not differentiate between vaxxed and unvaxxed blood, just like we saw from the Red Cross. So they said we don't want that, which is their right. Now the baby is not in the baby is in stable condition, right? So it's not like it that's that's not the the problem. They've also had numerous people, and you can look; it's all verified. Numerous people that were willing and proven to be matched donors that were not vaccinated. They were more than willing to donate blood right on the spot to do this. And yet they said, no, there's no way to misunderstand that. There's a, there's a viable option. It's not any more difficult. There's not any kind of legal problems. Everything was in line. They just didn't want to do it because you're an anti-vaxxer and because there's nothing wrong with this blood. It's, it's a choice. It is a, it is a smug and, and choice filled with hubris to f- pretend that you know better, even though there's no reason to say no. If this was it, before the COVID mania, you could, it, it, if it wasn't about vax versus unvaxed, they would have been like, okay, fine, whatever. Okay. But now, because, you know, COVID-19 mania, these people are convinced that they shouldn't have to. So these, these smug doctors and nurses are deciding for them that you're wrong, so we, don't, we won't let you make this choice. Right? So that's where we were last time, that they were fighting this battle in court. Now, it's going to be really upsetting to realize what just happened. As Bernie's tweets points out, the state owns your children now, which that's how they've always perceived it. The judge has ruled in favor of the health authorities and has given them, the government, guardianship of this child whose parents simply wanted unvaccinated blood for a transfusion. And really, you shouldn't even frame it like that. That is the truth. That's the truth. They wanted to choose the person they wanted, period. To can, to use this conversation like that, it creates people that are already convinced that that's, like, again, it's the same point. If there's somebody out there going, that's stupid. Well, it's not your choice. And if it's a viable option that is on the table and you're just not letting them take it, that's because you are resigned to force this on them because you know better or you think so. And that's what COVID has done to a lot of these people or rather the illusion of it. Even though the blood was available and they did have people, that we're willing to do so. Here's the article itself. Health officials gained guardianship of baby whose parents refused vaccinated blood transfusion. It just makes me sick, guys, that this is even possible. Now, don't forget, there's been numerous examples of this. We were we were talking about an example of this before COVID in regard to a woman who just wanted certain treatment for her child, and the, and the government was basically pushing in what they wanted regardless of what the parents asked for. Just same kind of concept, too, because they perceived them as health conspiracy theorists or whatever they wanted something natural it, it, and it just blows your mind and the state feels they have this right they always have is the point you're just their chattel you, they can do what they want to you that's how they perceive it in every possible way and we must see that by now now this i saw this right before we went live and i just included it so i haven't read through this but it doesn't seem very long so let's skim it real quick they ruled in favor of the health authorities <sighs> The landmark decision delivered on Thursday is expected to have wide ranging ramifications and has become a focus of protest for anti-vaxxers. Really? Right. This is how they can. So are you an anti-vaxxer because you don't think you think the parents should have the choice? Apparently, like I, there are all sorts of people in here that aren't saying vaccines are bad. They're just saying that the parents should have the choice. But of course, because of the clumsy non-journalism of people like this, they just call them all anti-vaxxers. And then we're supposed to take their word in other cases. Right. So there's their objectivity right there—the broad stroke of an entire group of people fighting for a parent's rights—and they're all anti-vaxxers because the Guardian says so, right? Because Tess McClure says so. Awesome. These people you shouldn't be listening to, or you shouldn't be trusting at the very least. The six-month-old, no, what was known as Baby W, will not survive without urgent surgery. With, okay, here's the point though: she was the, the baby was in stable condition. The truth is, they they does need the surgery, but. The way they frame this makes people think that the parents are putting the child at risk for their own anti vaxxer perspectives. That's not what was happening. And on top of that, I, I, I mean, I, I'm willing to bet you that they didn't mention that there were other donors willing. Oh, no, well, let's see. Yeah, see, it doesn't. It says his parents said they were unwilling to proceed unless they were given a guarantee he would receive unvaccinated blood. I'm just glancing really quickly, and let's see right here. It says, Significant increase in potential blood recipients asking for unvaccinated. Yeah, they don't mention it, right? Isn't, now, think about the the think about the, the lack of integrity it takes to completely omit the most important part. They had an unvaccinated alternative, numerous of them, waiting and willing. And you, as a health professional, as a doctor, as an administrator, as a nurse, said, we don't care. So you are effectively the ones putting that child's life at risk because you are demanding they do what you want. Think about how, I mean, that's just what makes my skin crawl. These people are horrifically bad. And they actually think they're doing, or who knows when they think so or not, but a lot of them think they, they put themselves up on this pedestal of fighting for integrity while they are the worst of the worst. Like I always say, people pretending like they're doing good while doing the bad that you, the worst of the worst. It bothers me. So we need to stand up for this. If you're in the area... Fight for these people, support them, help them. They do. I believe they've probably got a GoFundMe or something out there and let's GoFundMe shut it down, which is why we should use Give, Send, Go and other groups that don't do that. Either way, this is going for like this is a huge this is an important case in regard to not just the child to understand, but every part of our lives. Now, here's the interesting part to conflate to, to compare this to right now they're pretending that people that are having disease issues or other vaccinated, that they're a protected class that was just pointed out on Twitter's new terms of service that you can, one of the protected classes is disease. Now ask yourself how that applies. We talking about unvaccinated? Clearly not. Okay. We just talked about how MRNA transferring and so on. The blood is another example. So how long until they start acting like we're targeting and doing and, and, being racist or bigoted towards people that are vaccinated, even though there's a provable scientific reason to feel this way. Or that we're that we're segregating based on vaccination. Well, Wasn't that exactly what they were doing before to unvaccinated? But yet that was OK for safety. But when we pointed out from the other way around and the same thing happens in reverse, now you're suddenly a terrorist. Suddenly you're your hate speech or you're violent because you what you're doing, your words are violence. This is where it goes. Just what I'm predicting. That right now, this case just established that you don't have the right. The next time you get injured or something happens, this is what they're going to rely on. Now, in general, we have to realize that it's not just the fact that the blood is dangerous, or what's in the blood is dangerous, but the bottom, that is the truth based on what we can see, or it can be. And that's why the Red Cross themselves have, all the way back to the beginning where I played, here, I'll include it since I'm going to, sort of—it's the link is in this show as well, but let me just grab it for you guys. The most recent one, which does, oops, does have the link to my phone call with Red Cross at the time when they removed it from the website with all the other information where we know that they knew that it actually removes the antibodies from your blood. That In fact, that the antibodies weren't even strong enough at first is what she said on the record. And yet they hide all that and act like it's just because we had too much. We're already done. Even though at the time they did that, I could prove to you there were hospitals screaming for blood. They were being lied to everywhere you look. So check this out for yourself. Now, again, here's where we're going last. The last part of the show today is where they're arguing right now that they know SARS-CoV-2 infection causes immune dysfunction. And the reason they know that as absolute, well, because there's a peer-reviewed study that says so, right? Okay. Well, when I show you numerous peer-reviewed studies that say the opposite, do you know that then too? Well, no, that's fake news to them. So why why do you know one and don't know the other? Because you're choosing that. Because you've already decided before these studies ever came out what you think the truth is. And then when the one comes out that says what you think, you go, that's the one that's right. And the other one, both peer-reviewed, mind you, they ignore it. That's how these intelligent people operate today, right? But we know SARS-CoV-2 infection causes immune dysfunction. Now, it certainly could. And I argue if you point to the spike protein as the culprit, well, then it would make sense. That's assuming this is actually there. But then it also makes sense, if you're going to make that argument, that it would be far worse with something that makes more of them and lasts longer. But infection is preventable. The harm is preventable. This is what the tweet says. We need to suppress transmission of SARS-CoV-2 by, guess what, guys? Mandating masks, which also reduce the burden of other infections. No, they don't, buddy. They don't. You're wrong. And the science has proven that. But these are the experts telling us we're crazy. Now it says here, and this is the other tweet, this is the point of the study. Immune dysfunction eight months after infection. So this is what they're pointing at to argue that this is how we know COVID-19 causes it. Now, my point is the same. I think it makes sense, assuming it's actually there and not just the flu and pneumonia conflated with other vaccine side effects. With based on Denny Rancourt's research, that seems highly likely, but either way, pretending it is, the point is spike protein, right? So you can't pretend it's only on one side of this. But here's the, and so my point is, it's, po- it's likely, even if it's there, that it does have an effect. But the injection will be far worse. But when you actually look at the study, I, and again, I, ch- I went through, painstakingly through this whole damn thing, trying to find anything, this is January 2022. Immuno- immunological dysfunction persists for eight months following initial mild to moderate SARS-CoV-2 infection. Now, what do you think they don't point out or ask in this entire study? whether or not these people ever had an injection. Now look, if you're trying to point out that COVID causes this while dismissing that injections do, why would you omit that part? That's in, that's the most important part because there's something going on. That's my opinion obviously, but it's the same point with like the vax versus unvax studies, way back in the beginning of pre-COVID. Talking about the MMR vaccine and we go, "Well, look, these things together are causing problems." They go, "No, they're not." And you point out there's never been a study to find out if they cause issues together. And you go, well, we'll do that study then? And they go, no. What do you do? What do you take from that? How can you possibly watch that back and forth and pretend that the people telling you they're not going to study whether it does, meanwhile telling you it doesn't cause that, and think that they're being honest? That's where it ended up. They still, the only time we get those is when people like James Lyons-Weiler and IPAC actually did a Vax versus unvax study and found that it was wildly damaging to people that got the injection. But they pretend like that's fake news and forced it to be retracted by the editorial staff, even though it was peer reviewed. It's mind-blowing. Back to the point, all they're going to do is ignore the vaccination problem. And the real point here is that by January 2022, they'll admit to you themselves, 70, 80% of the population got at least one shot. So there you go. So that guarantees you that the majority of people in this study had vaccines in their body. There's no one, there's no misunderstanding that. So let's look at it with that information in mind. It says here, in summary, our data indicate, our our data indicate an ongoing sustained inflammatory response following even mild to moderate acute COVID-19, which is not found following prevalent coronavirus infection, which I'm not sure what that even means, by the way what does it mean not found following prevalent like they don't say prevalent COVID-19 they say prevalent coronavirus infection you know I hate it's weird that I keep seeing the insertion of the broad term coronavirus is a category whereas one of which would be COVID-19 if that's the reality but yet so they just just, I think the point is to say prevalent meaning like serious I guess I mean tell me what you think in the chat it's a weird statement it's basically saying that it's we're seeing inflammatory responses following mild to moderate, but not found following prevalent coronavirus infection. It's, I don't know. It's, it seems weird and out of place. It doesn't seem to make sense, even if you believe it means like serious, but then why would I don't know? And you get the point. So, going forward, the drivers of this activation require further investigation. So, right at, first of all, just so we're clear, it, this is being pointed out to say that this causes that, even though in the study they go, well, we're not sure. It seems like it. But it says possibilities include persistence of antigen anti-autoimmunity driven by antigenic cross-reactivity or reaction of damage repair. So wait a minute, we're talking about COVID-19 causing this, but we're talking about antigen cross-reactivity. Now I understand antigen has numerous meanings, but understand in the context of vaccination, it's important to understand what that means. And by the way, just also on another side note, how vaccines work. I love how these things have, you know, there's a lot of these out there that are, are referencing what, we used to pretend vaccines did and how we used to pretend vaccines worked until suddenly COVID-19 changed everything under the sun and everything before that was fake news somehow. A vaccine works by training the immune system to recognize and combat pathogens, either viruses or bacteria. To do this, certain molecules from the pathogen must be introduced into the body that trigger an immune response. These molecules are called antigens, like think like the spike protein, and they are present on all viruses and bacteria. By injecting these antigens into the body, the immune system can safely learn to recognize them as hostile invaders. You know, unless your body begins to produce themselves and and recognize your body as the problem, you know, i.e. COVID-19 injections. But it says, and produce antibodies, and remember them for the future, right? Do you see a part in there where it says, if you don't bump into kids for two years, it suddenly goes away? No, that's never been the way this works. If the bacteria or virus reappears, the immune system will recognize the antigens immediately and attack aggressively well before the pathogen can spread and cause sickness, right? That's how we used to pretend this works. So when you got the chicken box and you recovered, you were good for good, you were good. Today, they pretend like these kids were on lockdown, some of them for a small period of time. They pretend was two years and it wasn't. Suddenly they're all dying from RSV and strep just because of that. It's just plainly stupid. Now it did have some effect because that is the truth, but it's not what we're seeing today. Just plainly, it's, it's very obvious to me. Now, the point, though, about showing you this was just to include the idea that it's funny how the narrative has changed on everything under the sun because of COVID, but the antigen part, right? So back to this, they're saying the possibility of this problem includes the persistence of antigen autoimmunity driven by antigenic cross reactivity or reflection of damage repair. That doesn't sound like COVID-19 to me quite. I mean, unless we're just talking about, I guess, the spike protein as an antigen from the thing itself. I mean, again, it's just about the definition of the word. I just thought that was interesting. Either way, undefined and unsure. These observations describe an abnormal immune profile in patients with COVID-19 extended time points after infection, meaning not just like right after, but for a long period of time. You know, plenty of time for most of these people to get injected if they didn't already before they said they got COVID, which most of them did because it does, we seem to see everybody getting COVID after they get these injections and then Paxlovid and getting it again and again and again and again. It goes on to say, and their methods, a total of 147 participants with confirmed SARS-CoV-2 infection, which doesn't mean confirmed, that means PCR test were enrolled. The majority of following testing in community-based clinics run by St. Vincent's Hospital, Sydney, with some patients also enrolled with confirmed infection at external sites. Initial study follow-up was planned for 12 months after COVID-19 and subsequently extended for two years. Okay. So the point was, how much you want to bet that it was extended for, I mean, I, I, I shouldn't guess. The point was they extended it. <laughs> so now you rope in two more years in that time frame. every single one of these people got injected. Or I, I mean, again, I, I'm, I'm speaking off the cuff. The point is we know at this point, the vast majority of people had at least one shot. And then I would argue people are willing to go through a test like this. Most likely probably got it. That's just my opinion. But then it goes on to say laboratory testing for SARS-CoV-2 was performed using nucleic acid detection from respiratory specimens with the Easy Screen Respiratory Detection Kit and the Easy Screen SARS-CoV-2 Detection Kit. Two ADAPT cohort subpopulations were defined based on initial severity of COVID-19 illness. Number one, patients managed in the community. And number two, patients admitted to the hospital for acute infection, including those requiring intensive care support for acute respiratory distress syndrome. Finally, it says the dropout rate has been very low to date, approximately 9.4% at 12 month i don't that's a, that's 10% of people that drop out this is four participants did not complete the 8 month assessment after the 4 month assessment 4 month assessment the reasons for this include did not attend and lost to follow up i just think i want to point i want to point out whether i wonder whether some of these people just died right you know, who knows what happened to them somebody catch the bots for me in the chat so we know these people are getting these injections in, 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 in the percentage-wise. My point being the whole population view, if 80% at this point were injected to some degree, then, you know, 80% of any grouping will likely have... You could apply that's my point. So you can look through this whole study and you will find that a single mention of vaccination. Yet we're clearly in the timeframe where most of these people, either before or during this time frame got these injections. A, it's a no. At the very least, it's no-brainer that some of them did because it wasn't even part of the assessment. How are you going to pretend this relates to only COVID when the whole point is we know that, as I'll show you next, these injections do lead to this exact problem. Even their own studies show this. And yet you don't even include it as a question. And then you point out that anybody that has these problems in any period of time or in, in, in the eight-month time frame they looked at, in fact, at two years, that, that we just call that because COVID? At the very best, that's correlation. It's, just, it's mind-blowing. So back to this point, that's why they say we know. We know this. See my point? Okay. Here are some of the studies that show you the opposite. From June 2022, adverse effects of COVID-19 vaccines and measures to prevent them peer-reviewed pubmed national library of medicine the lancet published a study so they're referencing a few different studies in this but this lancet obviously is one that people point at as highly regarded the lancet published a study on the effectiveness of covid19 vaccines and the waning of immunity in, in with time this study the study showed that immune function among vaccinated individuals eight months after administration of two doses of covid19 vaccine was lower than that among the unvaccinated individuals. Now it's interesting overlap, isn't it? With the eight month timeframe here, right? So the point is that they're pointing out over here, that these people who had two doses, had, had, uh, was uh, their immune function was operating at a lower level than people that got, that didn't have anything. There's just no way to misunderstand that. According to the European Medicines Agency recommendations, frequent COVID-19 booster shots and we all saw this too, could adversely affect the immune response. That was a public statement by the European Medicines Agency. Not proving anything, but simply saying, look, based on what we understand, if we keep giving boosters every two, three months, it could adversely affect the immune system. And yet our response is to go, COVID does it all, even though we can't prove that. At least in the study, we point to that. Amazing, willful ignorance. The decrease in immunity can be caused by several factors. And this is talking about vaccine-induced. And they're theorizing about why they see this being caused by the vaccine. The, many of them we've talked about the spike protein, the lipid nanoparticles themselves, antibody-dependent enhancement. Yeah, but this is when you when, you know they're all plugging their ears and stomping their feet. These things have been discussed since 2020, and yet most people that aren't listening to people like us have no idea they even exist. Is this not peer-reviewed science? These clinical alterations may explain the association reported between COVID-19 vaccination and shingles, which we've talked about in depth before. As a safety measure, further booster vaccination should be discontinued. In conclusion, COVID-19 vaccination is a major risk factor for infections in critically ill patients. It's just, it's undeniable, right? I mean, guys, it really does. It makes it so clear and so frustrating as i've said many times before it makes my teeth hurt say i'll say i'm going to say that a lot lately just because people like to make fun of that as if i say it 30,000 times a show you know the ones that don't actually watch the show it's fantastic but it does it really does it's like it's just one of those things that makes you feel like you're banging your head against a wall cuz it's a choice it's a choice by certain people to just not look at what's in front of them or rather ignore just what they're told to ignore and only look at what they're told to look at here's another gigantic one june 2022 Innate immune suppression by SARS-CoV-2 mRNA vaccinations, the role of G-quadruplexes, exosomes, and microRNAs. Just the highlights. Please read it all for yourself. mRNA vaccines promote sustained synthesis of the SARS-CoV-2 spike protein. You know, we can quickly dance back to when the Red Cross says it's not in the blood, except that's literally the opposite of what the peer-reviewed science is finding, right? That it sustains the production of the spike protein throughout your blood, as well as the mRNA. Different things, but that's also in your blood. The spike protein is a, is neurotoxic and it impairs DNA repair mechanisms. We were just talking about that. Suppression of type 1 interferon responses result in impaired innate immunity. The mRNA vaccines potentially cause increased risk to infectious diseases and cancer. I mean, every way you spin this. Here's the one we pointed out many times. This is the Swiss policy research, COVID vaccines and cancer. It's been shown that up to 50% of vaccinees, COVID vaccines, can induce a temporary immune suppression or immune dysregulation, otherwise known as lymphocytopenia, that may last about a week or possibly longer. There's a few other points in here. This one is Goldman et al., rapid progression of T-cell lymphoma following Pfizer booster shot. In August, U.S. clinical pathologist Dr. Ryan Cole, we played this many times, described a significant increase in certain types of cancer that he's seeing in his own practice, as well as other people he knows in their practices since the beginning of the COVID mass vaccination campaign. More recently, German pathologists also noted the issue of post-vaccination immune dysregulation and sudden tumor growth in some patients. Imagine the effort it takes to ignore all of this information coming out of governments, health ministries, doctors, scientists, experts all around the world. It takes a lot. Now... Just in case, you know, that we've shown you these studies many times. So we're just kind of glancing over them. Let's get to the point that I want to make with this. Now, what is lymphocytopenia specifically for those? Now, there's been a lot of discussion about this. Lymphocytes in your body and how important this is. But I feel like this doesn't get enough attention because people don't really understand it. I mean, a lot of this stuff, like any of the, any of these topics for myself, let's say, I don't inherently know all this stuff. I have to look into this and research it. Lord, you, you see me mispronounce things all the time because the point is we're going so fast around this stuff that I, these things just, there's a lot of information. We're all trying to learn as we go. The point is to be objective. Question, but don't pretend you know, right? Because that's the point. There's a lot of this stuff we are, I mean, even stuff like this, even the studies, we, let's just say going back to this study, right? We shouldn't be taking this at face value either. This could be wrong. They could be lying. It could be manipulated. Who knows? Question everything. But that's why you look at the body of work. That's why we talk about the scientific method, not trusting science. It's just stupid. The term trust the science is counter to the very scientific method. thats I mean, they really think you're that stupid. And they're wrong. But let's get into the specific point. I'll try to make this as simple as possible so it's easy to point at. Now, lymphocytopenia happens, it says, when your body doesn't have enough lymphocytes a type of white blood cell that helps defend your body from viruses, cancers, or other intruders. Lymphocytopenia is linked to many different diseases and conditions. So it's not even just the thing itself that causes your immune system to be problematic and more ill, more generally sick. It also leads to other conditions and diseases. So what we're talking about is a, is a, a reduction of lymphocytes in your body. Your body doesn't have enough of them, right? That's what they're talking about here. Lymphocytopenia or, the, or a dysregulation of your immune system, okay? So, We already know that we're pointing at different, many different ways that the injections can affect your immune system. But let's talk specifically about lymphocytopenia and uh, not enough lymphocytes. Remember, they're over here saying that these things don't affect your immune system. So here, first of all, is one of the studies, and this is one of the, one of the Pfizer injections that they were trialing, the BNT162B1 in August, 2020. And here's what it says. The largest changes were decreases in the lymphocyte count of the first dose in 8.3%, 1 out of 12, 45.5%, 5 5 out of 11, and 50%, 6 out of 12 of the participants who received 10, 30, and 100 UG uh, of the injection, respectively. So to say it clearly, people who got only 10, uh, I forget, what is UG again? Is It's not milligrams. I forget what the term is. Let's just do. Let's see if we can grab it real quick. It's it's a it's, it's a volume measurement, right? Talking about how much is in the injection you're giving. Let's see what it says. It is microgram. Let's see. I thought that was a different symbol. In any case, so it's a measure. It's a, a metric of measurement, right? So micrograms. So we're talking about ten micrograms, thirty micrograms, and hundred micrograms right now. So we know the 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 uh, BNT one six two B two uses ten to thirty generally where you look based on the different you know children to adults so that's what's being used today so what it's saying is for those rate ranges they're getting 8.3 to 45% of people who have a decrease in their lymphocyte count okay that's un- I mean so right there in and of itself you are pointing to the reality that you're creating exactly this problem not having enough lymphocytes 45% decrease in lymphocytes is exactly that problem now it says one participant each in the 10, well, the the 10 was, uh, and 30, wait, so let me read it properly here. One participant each in those groups, the 10 microgram, 30 microgram, and four participants in the 100 microgram had grade three decreases in lymphocyte count, like very severe. So we going still same point. So that means just talking 10 to 30 that we're talking 8.93 and 9.1% of the total. That's a gigantic amount of people. Now, these are different shots, obviously. We're talking about the the ones that are out versus the ones they were testing, but realize these are the same mechanisms, the same ingredients by and large other than minor differences. Now, the bottom line is we can see this very clearly, and this is why we know and we've talked about the 50% d- increase in general infection within the first week of the, bnt two shots that they are giving right now. And it's the same time frame, right? So what they are saying, though, is, that, oh, well, it decreases and it comes right back. What you're looking at here is the baseline first, then the very clear drop. Then I guess they argue the normal. But look, these even these ones still dip back in under baseline. So the bottom line is, overall, these things decrease your immune system. And that's their own data, by the way. But just so we know, lymphocytopenia is the condition of having an abnormally low level of lymphocytes in the blood. And this is according to Wikipedia. Lymphocytes are a white blood cell with the important function of the immune system. It's also called lymphopenia. So that also is the point, which I'm showing this because of the next study we're going to show. Then it says lymphocytopenia, or specifically T lymphocytopenia, there are too few T lymphocytes, but normal numbers of other lymphocytes, it causes and manifests As a T-cell deficiency, this is usually caused by HIV infection, but may be idiopathic, meaning you don't really know what's causing it, CD4 lymphocytopenia, which is a very rare heterogeneous disorder defined by CD4 T-cells counts below 300 in the absence of any known immune deficiency condition, such as human immunodeficiency virus or HIV. Interesting, just the overlap. I always find that HIV everywhere overlap very telling. But here are the last two studies on this part to make clear. This is August 2022. Absolute lymphocyte count after COVID-19 vaccination is associated with vaccine-induced hypermetabolic lymph nodes. A focus in breast cancer care. And one more. November 25th. Rapid progression of angioimmunoblastic T-cell lymphoma following specifically BNT162B2 bnt, 12, BNT mRNA vaccine booster shot. So the bottom line, here guys, is there's a lot of overlap in evidence showing you specifically lymphocyte decrease, which then shows you what we're talking about, and, and even specifically 50%, which is what we just showed you. But I mean, the study they're pointing out here was a study of herpes zoster specifically and how that overlaps. So I'll just include it for you guys to look at. The point is this stuff is everywhere. Then that's not even talking about the gigantic peer-reviewed studies that show you an overall innate immune suppression. We're just talking about the specific point of lymphocytopenia and how it's just undeniably present. It's obvious that they're pointing out these examples. Peer-reviewed scientists point out these examples. And yet, as we can prove a decrease in lymphocytes, in real time, based on these shots, they'll still act like, well, it's not true. It's only happening in SARS-CoV-2. Not just using just this one example, but that's the general conversation we see. It's everywhere. It's in, it's infuriating how clear it is. Now, let's just even say SARS-CoV-2, if it is there, does cause this. Why is it impossible for these people to acknowledge the same reality in the side of the injection when it's, we're talking about the same ultimate things here? It's a choice. Because they're scared, probably. I don't know for sure. But I do know that they're denying this in front of them or pretending it's not there. Or so blindly trusting the authority they don't even know that it's there. In any case, it is, it's clear, read the science for yourself. And then remember, dance back to the beginning and realize that whether or not we're talking about a specific problem, that these things are hurting people anyway, based on every single thing we can see. And then finally, just in case you want to see some real world examples of how upsetting this is. I mean, this is just so, bo- this bothers me so much because of how, just go back before COVID-19, Right. Even though we know, like, point, even pointing out the discussion of whether flu shots have been causing some level of this, or all of them for some degree, since they're all under, since Act 1986, just kind of the free Wild West of injections without any real concern for the problems, because, well, we need vaccines, don't we? So we'll just give them indemnity and let them continue to make these things. And weird, look at the skyrocket of problems that go along after 1986, correlating perfectly with the dramatic increase in shots that we're given. Here we are today. But the point is that before COVID specifically, we never saw stuff like this. We never saw—I mean, I shouldn't say never. The point is, you saw the very sporadic, where you know something happened, where somebody would collapse on TV, but it was very rare. Now it seems to be everywhere you look. Now maybe that is partially because it's being focused on. But ask yourself: When the last time you saw this many actors, uh, uh, media personalities, presenters, every other person that goes on camera every day? How many of them we've seen doing what you're about to see here, just collapsing live on TV? Now, you have to realize too that you know they don't want this to be seen. And I don't, I just mean they as a general sense, people that are filming this who are convinced that this is anti vaxxer feeding, feeding the anti vaxxer narrative. Well, they don't want to show it. They don't, they, they write down the wrong thing because they think, oh, it'll feed vaccine hesitancy. We know there's a level of that happening. My point is that we know that this kind of stuff, even as, as, as to the point they cut away from it very quickly. That if it was within their power, they wouldn't want this to be seen in a general sense. And yet, it's seemingly everywhere. Singers collapsing on stage. Comedians collapsing on stage. Pundits collapsing on TV. Live. Over and over and over. Politicians collapsing on the stage. Over and over. Are we really pretending like it's not as obvious as anything I've ever seen? God, it just makes me sad.
1: That's pretty amazing, and you and you said it right. Poise for a kid this young, nineteen years old, come out on the floor each and every night, and he feels like he's belonged. So, I look for this kid to have a really good
2: first half of the season. And out. that's that's it,
0: and it cuts away. No big deal, as it says. Looks like we have another unfortunate coincidence. Atlanta Hawks announcer Bob Rathbun suffers an on-air medical emergency. You know, just another day in the COVID mania, right? And this is the credit goes to. Uh, rage against the vaccine Now uh, the account the clicks the links right there for you to check out it's just sickening isn't it now here's a video that i think you guys should listen to very closely because we've been talking about this for a long time and it, as as the high wire has as well like one of the one of the ones that have really been knocking this down for a long time but there's a lot of us out there that have been doing this like I, I point at the expose, there's a lot of people that have been trying to break down the excess death and the, and the, the, what I've been naming the pandemic of the injected for a long time. So check this out. And this is the, I mean, it's just one data point, but it's just this obvious. And this is why people like us, like the high wire, like you could just see the frustration on Dell's face. It's just, it, it's infuriating how this continues to be ignored.
2: Let's move on past the United States, though. We have Australia. Australia has one of the highest vaccination rates in the entire world. And we go to their actual uh, government website. This is Australian Government Department of Health's own website. And this is their vaccination rates for people 16 and over. 97.3 there on the left for 16 and over with one dose. 95.9 95.9 for two doses, 72.3 for three doses, and then a little over 5.1 million people with that fourth dose. That's you know, about 25 percent or so of their population. So let's let's look at a, a graph here. But before we look at it, so they they began vaccinating their citizens on February of 2021. Okay and they were so aggressive at vaccinating that they overtook the US in first dose vaccinations by October of 2021 so just a, just a handful of months later they they overtake the US and they become a leader in the first dose they did a really good job of getting that out to the population so let's compare australia with a, a control group, one of the uh, poorest, one of the poorest uh, countries in the world. This is the Central African Republic. So check out this chart. This is cumulative confirmed COVID nineteen deaths per million. We have Australia and then the Central African Republic. Um, they're running at about a thirty six percent vaccination rate. They didn't do very well with lockdowns or anything like that. Obviously, we know Australia came in about second to China with their COVID zero policy, hard lockdowns, hard quarantines, and you can see here. Uh, right around September and October, where they overtook the U.S. on that first dose, you see the, the COVID-19 deaths per million skyrocket. Deaths per million, right? So not, not the majority. The, the, this is the,
0: the risk they tell you you're supposed to use to break it down the right way. Al- almost exactly along the correlation of the administration of the injection, it explodes. One of the most vaccinated countries on the planet, so that out the window goes the herd immunity argument, goes everything they're arguing compared to somebody that barely has even towed the line. Now, sure, is there something else that could be causing that? Of course that's possible. We're always willing to point that out because we're objective and honest. But the, the, the reverse is never happening. You know, the question about whether maybe we made a mistake here, maybe this is hurting people with everything else we're talking, just this one point alone historically would have been enough to at least pause something. Then you add all the peer-reviewed science we keep pointing at, and yet these people plug their ears, stomp their feet, and refuse to pay attention to it.
2: And when you look at this next chart, we compare that to the Central African Republic and Australia. Australia has 9.25 times the death rate of Central African Republic With all those vaccines and all of those lockdowns that we saw, that is the fruits of what they did. So this is some data, just the most recent data. Obviously, we've been reporting on this for over a year on these excess deaths. This has been a beat we've really kept close eye on. But this is just some of the more recent data to look at when we're hearing things like Dr. Jaw just mentioned.
0: Wow. Just, I mean, just mind blowing, right? And this is why you were right and maybe not about every single possible thing, but the reality that, you know, questioning this was the right thing to do. Stand and, and, and sticking by your guns with through the pressure, attacks, disparaging attacks, manipulation, threats, was the right thing to do. And you're being proven to have been right. And even more so, to finish, the proof, it's obvious, I shouldn't say proof, but it's obvious to me, these people are well aware that they've lost control. Not just losing control, they've lost control. As political points out, the Pfizer boss, Bolera, or Bol- Borla, excuse me, refuses to testify in the EU Parliament COVID panel again. He literally says, quote, we have no further information to share. Think about how crazy that is. First, they try to pretend like, oh no, I'm not the one, she knows more, let her go. Then they demand he goes, and he goes, ah, there's nothing more to say. They're afraid of this. Now, also, pay. Take notice. Where have they been? Right. Even Fauci, as much as he has had a couple appearances, and as he's kind of trying to exit stage left, has made far less appearances. These people are trying to distance themselves from public appearances. I argue because they see them. People see what's going on now, and I think they're just trying to quiet. You know, the whole Homer Simpson into the bushes kind of meme. Like, just whoa, okay, we're gonna quietly back away from this. That's not gonna happen, bud. People are watching what's happening, and you are going to be held accountable. So too are the governments and everybody else if we have anything to say about it. So keep doing what you know is right, guys. Violence is not the answer. Stand up and fight for what you believe in, but realize that they're wanting you to take the bait, right? So continue to spread the truth and stand up for this. Tell people what you see. Continue, you know, ultimately, I should, you know, do what you think is right, right? Trust your heart and do what you think is right. I always advocate for nonviolence, always. The point is, though, There's a lot going on today, and there's an obvious effort to make you feel like you're crazy. There's never been more examples that you're not. (laughs) It's just undeniably clear, undeniably clear. But thank you for being here and continuing to support this platform. A lot of ways you can, by the way, if you want to check out our Substack, If you want to go to the website itself on the sidebar underneath each post and donate through our donation portal or anything else, send us a direct message or directly mail to our office itself. Your support is needed because we are not going to stop fighting. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant.